Hey everybody, this is another episode of 81 Points, and in today's episode, uh, Chris and I will get a little personal and discuss how we became sports fans, how we became Laker fans, our early memories of watching the Lakers in the mid-90s. Um, it was quite an exciting time. There were a lot of parallels to draw from those teams to today's teams with all the young talent that we have on on this Lakers squad. Um, yeah, because we didn't start watching from the magic 80s glory days. So yes, we only yep. um, we we look at those uh, games through the eyes of NBA hardwood classics and you know YouTube uh, old uh, YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, so, but we were alive in the flesh and and paying attention during the Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Cedric Sabal's era. So we we talk a little bit about that, um, and then we discuss uh, the state of today's NBA. Um, Obviously, and of course, there's going to be a little bit of Lonzo Ball talk that we that we go through. Um, it's the unofficial Lonzo Ball podcast. Yeah, that's what that's what, that's what we're starting to turn into, to be honest, um, because he's such a it's such a hot button topic yeah. with us. Uh, you know what's going on with this kid? You know, Ball we, cast. We want him to we, <laughs> we want him to do well. Is basically what we're trying to say here. Um, and then we have a discussion about. Um, who the top players in the NBA are and what the criteria for that should be. And uh, yeah, so that's today's episode. Um, sit back and relax this episode of 81 Points. Welcome to 81 Points, where we talk about all things Lakers. Hosted by two guys named Chris. Welcome back to another episode of 81 Points. We are here once again in LA, home of the future Super Bowl champion LA Rams. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. Um, I didn't see any of the football games this weekend, <laughs> did you? I don't. In true LA fashion, I didn't watch any. Yeah, it seems like uh, the Rams are not really getting a lot of love. Well, as much love as you you would think well, at a least team they're getting that's more, that good. At least they're getting more love than the um, the, the Chargers. You know? Yeah, the Chargers just lost. Yeah. Um, the Rams are still cares. alive. We have an NFL team in this city that's still alive in the playoff hunt. Yeah. and uh, I mean, I like the Rams, though. They got a good team, got an awesome coach. Um, I'm talking about from the perspective of buzz. Like, I don't feel yeah. a lot of buzz yeah. over the Rams. Um but you know, we're not a Rams podcast. We're a Lakers podcast. Um, I have some news to break to you. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. Um, okay. Your boy Malcolm Brogdon finally missed a free throw. No way. Yeah. Oh shit. He went first three, one of the year. He huh? went three for four from the line. I think this is his first miss since November. <laughs> and uh, since last year. First yeah. One. And he's. Uh, his free throw percentage has dipped to 98.8%, which, oh, you know, in an Asian household is acceptable. It's acceptable. Acceptable. Yeah. Um, any more misses and he might, you know, he might get a talking to from his Asian parents. That's right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I don't think his, um, 
Do you think that guy could be a star? going to last. Malcolm Brogdon? Um, no, I don't think so. No? Yeah. That, I mean, that must mean he, you think he's just an amazing, he's pretty much an amazing backup, a really good starter then. He's a really efficient player. And um, that's one thing that I always look for is like shooting percentages. He, he's, well, career has had a really good shooting percentage. So. And this year, his shooting percentage has been pretty amazing. Yeah. So I don't think he can sustain a 99% free throw percentage, though. So that's <laughs> but he, I mean, he could do a 50 40 90. Yeah, so yeah, that's and that would be impressive, especially from a guard, yeah, standpoint. But, anyways, too much Bucks talk right now, right? Right, yeah. Um, we got a game tonight, we do against uh LeBron's former team. Uh, LeBron's not gonna play. But, uh, you know, they're saying that he's actually a long... He's a bit a ways away from returning. He is a long way away from returning? Maybe not a long way, but he's... It's like there's no timetable for him to return. Oh, uh, so last time we talked, I think they had announced that they were going to reevaluate him this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's he was recently cleared to increase his basketball activities on the court. Yeah, I think there was an update today about how. Um, yeah, what's the update? Yeah, it, they were just saying that. Um, yeah. Okay, so the rumor: LeBron James prepared to take off multiple weeks for groin injury. This was four hours ago. So, I mean, multiple weeks is that's a long time. He's already been out for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. So that means he's been he would be out for at least a month total. That's a significant injury. Which yeah. and I think there and I think the Lakers schedule's about to about to amp up a little bit here. Yeah, and you know when I saw that injury on the court on Christmas Day, I thought that looked like a significant injury. And when he says something, yeah, felt like he it says popped, he felt a pop. Yeah. So, um, probably not a good sign. Um. At that time, you had said that this could be something um, that's not an isolated incident yeah. just because of his age. Yeah, because when you're at a certain old age, I feel like injuries are never an isolated incident anymore. You know, like if you're think about it, like if you are 36 or OK, let's say younger because LeBron's obviously younger. Let's say you're in your mid 30s as an athlete. You've never had back issues and all of a sudden you have a back problem, you're not going to be saying, oh, well, that's an isolated event. You start thinking, well, this could this could be something, you know, chronic. And a groin injury is obviously not chronic, but it just shows that the body is starting to break down. You yeah, know? yeah. So, yeah, I think it's it's not a good sign because think about it. LeBron's history as a player, he is... The dude is unbreakable, you know. Yeah, he's mi- he hasn't missed too many games in his um yeah sixteen year career. And even the games when you when he has missed in the past, you remember it's typically because he's like, it's like him taking a rest almost. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I'm totally made up. Like, oh, he's he's just something something, and it's like everyone knows it's him just getting some rest for the season. Right. So I don't know. It's kind of a it's something to definitely keep an eye on, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you have any 
thoughts on um, this game today against the Cavaliers. Obviously, you know, we, we should win this game. But nothing's a given with the, you know, if there if there is the LeBronless Lakers at home against an eight and thirty five team should basically be a given. But yeah, you're right. Without LeBron, there's there's really no um, guaranteed victories. Uh, but after this game, just to just to name the next couple games on the slate, there's home against the Bulls. Then the Lakers go to OKC. Then they go on the road to Houston. And then they go uh, come back home to face the Warriors. Wow. So it's a pretty brutal next couple of games <laughs> there here. There is no guarantee win. I mean, the Bulls, they should beat the Bulls, but, again, that's not a guarantee. I think I think they really need to win today's game against the Cavs <sighs> and the next game against the Bulls. And then after that, um, yeah. OKC, Houston, Golden State is pretty rough, especially without LeBron. Yeah. Um, so that's... <laughs> Definitely something um, Excuse me. to be monitored. Uh, so what I, I, you know, what I actually wanted to um, talk a little bit with you. Uh, you know, we have listeners, right? They they don't know who we are, um, but they're listening to two guys talk about the Lakers, and uh, I thought it would be nice for the both of us to share with our listeners uh how we became laker fans okay um do you have uh do you have a very first memory of watching sports in general like what was the first thing that um that you that got you into sports i don't know what came first um i just know that um, I'm a lifelong Lakers and Dodgers fan. Um, and my earliest, one of my earliest memories was as a Dodger fan because I remember being a fan when, you know, there was like a six year run of NL rookies of the year. It was like Hideo Nomo, and it's not in order, but Hideo Nomo, Raul Mondesi, Mike Piazza, Eric Karros, uh, Todd Hollinsworth. I think I'm missing another player, but it was an insane run. And I remember being a huge fan during that time um, and being devastated when Mike Piazza got traded to uh, Florida. Yeah. So that's uh, early 90s, right? Yeah, that was early 90s. Okay. Um, but around that time, I was, you know, I was a big time Laker fan, too. So I don't know which came first, but my first memory of the Lakers um See, I like to feel like I am a true hardcore Laker fan because I was too young to really remember the 80s uh, Lakers. Yeah. Like, I don't remember any of that. Yeah. Um, so, like, just my memory from the very beginning, um, I just love the Lakers even though they sucked because they were really bad. And this team had Sedale 3. It had uh, Anthony Pig Miller, <laughs> Travis Knight, um, Anthony Peeler. Uh, I mean, I'm naming off like obscure names right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eldon Campbell. Yeah. Um, you know, we had Vladi Divac. I mean, that guy was a Laker. You know, no one remembers that, but that guy was a Laker. And he actually ends up being a crucial part of Laker lore because 
Who do we trade? For multiple reasons. Yeah, for multiple reasons. We traded him for Kobe Bryant, um, you know, well, for the pick that ended up being Kobe Bryant, and... He assisted Robert Ory on the three-pointer. That's right. He assisted Robert (laughs) Ory's miraculous uh, three, so... um, Wait, but you you grew up playing sports, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, was that... Did did you play, like... um, Little League? You played Little League, right? I did I did play Little League, but... And did you play ba- basketball? Yeah. I know you played basketball. Well, yeah, I didn't play, like, peewee um So did you start playing but... sports before you started wa- watching it, becoming a fan of, like, um, uh, the Dodgers and That's Lakers? a good question. I think I became a, like, a baseball fan first because I did play, um, I did play Little League. Yeah. So... Because I remember, um... This is when we met. Mm-hmm. It was like around the time uh, I started watching sports too. Yeah. Um, because for me, my <clears throat> earliest, my earliest memory of watching any any sports on TV was um, uh, the last championship run for Jordan's first three peat teams mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. the Suns. Like I, I remember the. The TV was just on, and I just saw the last play of that one game where uh, Paxton hit three. Yeah, yeah. And that was like my first uh, time watching. Remember, first memory of watching sports, and that was around the time when when we met too. Yeah. And I remember going over to your house, and do you remember this night where we where uh, a bunch of us slept over your house? Yeah, I remember that. And we were playing um like NBA Live or yeah. something. Yeah. And you had a and. I, I think we might have like shot around in your backyard because you had uh, you had a hoop yeah, in your backyard. Backyard, yeah. Yeah. So I I was thinking yeah. like you were a sports fan like way before before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was a sports fan, but it wasn't like you know what I mean. It wasn't like I love sports because I love the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm, yeah, being a sports fan happened way before that. Um, yeah. Maybe not way because I don't know if it was a couple years or not, but. Um, yeah, actually, I remember uh, when Shaq was on the Magic and Shaq breaking the rim a couple times, like bringing down oh, the rim. Oh, right, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't remember. He, that might have been while we were hanging out. Too. Maybe, Yeah. Because right? uh, I remember we were all like, that was cra- that's just it's such a crazy event to happen. That just doesn't happen, you know what I mean? Like he tore the entire like, yeah, the structure thing fell down. down. The structure fell yeah. down, yeah. And it was uh, NBA on NBC. You know, yeah, that music, John the, John Tesh. You know that. Yeah. I mean, that is a very that iconic. Is, isn't it crazy that like, I think a lot of people, most sports fans now, they don't know that music. I mean, but that's, that's a, like that is a travesty. That though. song is ingrained forever, ingrained in my brain when it comes to like NBA on TV. Yeah, and also I think I maybe I'm biased, but I think that you can't really beat that. No, you know you cannot. There's nothing that, like, the thing on ABC, I don't know. It's Well, they're playing, like, other people's music now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can't really beat that, you know. Um, the announcing crew had Bob Costas. Um, Dr. You know, J. Dr. J. Wait, was it Dr. J? I think so. It was, think it was Bob Costas, Matt Steve Gukas. Snapper Jones. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's a black guy. Matt um, Gukas. Matt Gukas, yeah. Bill uh, Walton when he was, like, a sane person. I mean, if you watch, was if you he ever listen, a sane person? <laughs> if you listen to him commentate now, he's like, he's a character. He's totally himself. in another universe now when he's like talk, talking like on a broadcast. But he was still sort of out of this world. Actually, <laughs> if you if you look at early Walton as a as an NBA analyst, he was pretty on point. 
with with his uh with his commentary. That's pretty. Funny. But now he's like doesn't give a shit and he says whatever <laughs> he wants. Um, um, but yeah, I think um, yeah, I remember all that, and I remember like you said, Jordan, and I think it was a very different climate in L.A. The sports, um, like atmosphere and climate, because yeah. I think everybody was a Jordan fan. You know what I mean? If you were a kid, everybody was a Jordan fan. Yeah. Because, you know, this was past the magic era and the Lakers were bad. And Michael Jordan was such a dynamic figure that pretty much everybody was a Michael Jordan fan. I mean, his shoes are still like the most popular shoes uh, out there for people who like collecting sneakers and stuff. And, you know, during that time in the early 90s, that's when those shoes were coming out for the first time. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like some of the listeners who may be listening, like, you know, they Kobe is kind of like almost he's like the standard right now because nobody really was a cultural phenomenon quite like Kobe, even LeBron. Like I made this argument. I think Kobe's even was even a bigger of a cultural phenomenon, I'm talking about internationally, than LeBron. Um, you know, we talk about how in China, Kobe's still beloved, and, you know, everywhere. I mean, when you shoot something into a wastebasket, you shout out Kobe. You don't shout out, shout out anybody else. That might name. not be because he's the most popular, but yeah. <laughs> but that, that just shows you, you that, how that. ubiquitous he is, he yeah. was, you know? Do you think he's still the most popular uh, basketball player in mm. Asia right now? Well, I, I feel like Steph Curry is like pretty up there now. I don't know. I mean, Steph Curry though, you just look at his shoes. It's not it doesn't move the needle. You know what I mean? Oh, you're basing it on their um I'm basing the popularity it on everything. Of their shoes. I'm basing it on everything. Shoes, just impact everything. Like Steph Curry is revolutionary. He is popular, but Kobe was on another level. Like I mean, I remember there was, there were pictures of when Kobe was in, in the Olympics. And like, like the sea would part. It's like a sea parting when he would walk through, and he's just there to watch other Olympic athletes. So he would go there to watch some of these events, and he he he's almost like a mythical figure. Yeah, you know, this yeah. was in the Beijing Olympics. So he was, so you know, if you're listening and you're at an age where Kobe was sort of that standard, my point is, you could times that by a thousand, or even I don't know a million even that was jordan jordan was even bigger than that you know what i mean yeah he is beyond anything i think we will ever see again like we won't see anything like that again in our lifetime um yeah probably not yeah um and that's when we kind of started watching sports and getting into sports was when jordan was like i wouldn't say in his prime but we caught sort of the tail end of his prime Right. And then that's yeah. when, you know, um, I think that's when we started following the Lakers. Yeah. So early 90s, mid, early to mid 90s is when I guess both of us started seriously watching the Lakers. And yeah, that that uh, I was I, I started watching basketball because I became a Jordan fan first. And then uh, and then it shifted to the Lakers. And at that time, it was. The team that the players that you had mentioned, like Nick Van Exel, Eddie um, Jones, Eddie Jones, and then when Cedric Sabalas joined the Lakers, uh, the team was 
kind of similar to like in in some ways similar to what we're seeing now with a lot of young talent and a lot of um promise uh yeah but you know even like back then for some reason we didn't we were always just bad but not really bad so we wouldn't get like a lottery pick or like yeah. a really good pick like i remember the, the eddie jones pick, was like the highest 10. draft yeah, pick that 10 pick the lakers had gotten yeah, yeah. um yeah well, so. well they got they were uh those teams were like making the playoffs you yeah, know, tail end of the Van Exel, Eddie Jones, yeah, and Zabalos. The, mm-hmm. They're making the playoffs and um, you know, getting knocked out. It seems like they got swept out of the playoffs like every year by by whatever team. Um and then, you know, uh continuing with the parallel to how the Lakers are today, um, Shaq comes into the fold, a superstar player, uh generational talent, joins the Lakers and it still takes them a few years to get over the hump. Oh, oh yeah, and and uh, and they did add Kobe Bryant too. Can't forget about that. Yeah. Um, so, if you take that into parallel with this team, so th- this year, the 2018 and 19 NBA season is, I guess, would be um, similar to the 96-97 team, which was like <clears throat> Shaq and Kobe's first year with the Lakers, mm. and it took them, I think, it took them like three seasons to win a championship. Um. So take, yeah, so I mean, kind of correlating that to this team, um, those three years, would that be like? Uh, would you consider that being like on track to win a championship? Um, or does it have to come sooner? I'm assuming that it has to come a little bit sooner because uh, LeBron is 34. I think when Shaq joined the Lakers, he was still like in in the. Like, not even in his prime yet, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's... There is a definite parallel, but I think it's a little different because um, there were a lot of question marks still with that team, you know? Because we didn't know what we had in in Kobe, you know, at that time. Yeah. We weren't sure. Um, and with this team, um, like you said, LeBron's... He's much older, so there's a bigger sense of urgency. Um, so I feel like the expectations were a little different, almost. Uh, well, maybe not different, but, you know, like, for example, um, even that squad, um, we had Del Harris as our coach. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if Luke Walton is going to be the Del Harris of that era. Of this era, you know, right? Because um, people don't remember, like, or they don't know, it wasn't just Phil Jackson the whole time. It was Del Harris who just, you know, came in and took all the lumps, all the growing pains, and then Phil Jackson just came in and closed it out, you know. Yeah. With a much more polished, finished product. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I think there's. I think for just for sure, the urgency. There's a different sense of urgency with this squad, you know. Um. And there's a much more, I feel like, feeling of needing to know which assets we need to, like, give away or which ones we need to build around kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and and uh, just looking into what people are saying on social media, what other Laker fans are saying out there, it's pretty divided on who people consider to be 
tradable and untradable on this current roster. Yeah. But I think for the most part, um, yeah, there there's, no... there's a growing consensus that Kuzma is like an untradable piece. Which is ridiculous. But like, for example, like, even though, like, like I said, like, even though Kobe was an unknown commodity, at least for the public eye, to the public eye, Jerry West knew what he had in Kobe Bryant. He, you know, he called that the greatest workout he ever had. Yeah. He had ever seen. I mean, who, there is no clear cut Kobe Bryant prospect on our squad right now. You know what I mean? Well, but you're saying that some people, people are think thinking that Kuzma, Kuzma is like clearly the best out of the four young players. But, but even then, super, are we talking about superstar potential? Though? I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I feel like that's so hard to say. I, I, I don't know. Like my whole my stance on this whole thing is, uh, whatever it takes to get Anthony Davis is, you know, Agreed. all these guys are tradable. Agreed. Uh, after that, it gets a little hairy. Like if you're if you're talking about like going after a Bradley Beal or, or a player of that caliber, then then it's like okay, we need to get fair value for a player like Bradley Beal. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's mm-hmm. when it gets a little dicey on who. Who uh, this team should be willing to part with? Yeah, I would love Bradley Beal. Yeah. Okay. So let's take him for example. But like, who 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 would you package in to get Bradley Beal out of the guys on this team? What is a Bradley Beal worth? He's a young okay. guy. He's like twenty five years old. Okay. You know, uh, it would have to be like a Josh Hart and one of the three. Uh. So you would do like. Josh Hart and Kakuzma for Bradley Beal. Yeah, I would do that. Oh wow, you know it's kind of a controversial statement there. I think a lot of Laker fans would be upset. Bradley Beal is that. a fantastic player, though. Uh, people are in love with Kuzma, though. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love Kuzma. I've been on the hype train before a lot of other people, but he hasn't proven enough still for me. Whether he his defense is if he can contribute other than just offense. Um, I love him though, so I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a camp. If we can divide Laker fans into like different camps, there's definitely a camp for Kyle Kuzma, thinking that he's like the best of the young players. Then there's definitely a camp for Lonzo, who they think is like the most untradeable player out of the young players. Um, and then there's like a growing, uh. There's like a growing camp of people who are like anti Brandon Ingram, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like you and I are kind of in the same place where um, I'm I'm willing to trade any of these guys for like a superstar player, mm-hmm. um, and but I'm not uh, but we're not like pulling the plug on Brandon Ingram like a lot of people are. Well, I it's it is kind of crazy to me to think that people view Brandon Ingram as anything but the most valuable either uh, trade chip or the most valuable Laker prospect out of out of all of them. I think that's crazy. You think he's both the most valuable prospect and the most valuable yes, trade yes, chip? Yes, because all of these players have huge glaring issues except for Ingram. I don't think Ingram may have some things he needs to work on, but it's not like you're not thinking, wow, if he doesn't get this fixed, 
he's he's just he's I don't know if he's going to be even like a really good player. Like he has the least glaring problems. Like for example, Kyle Kuzma, a fantastic offensive ability, but what else does he do? I don't know. His defense is getting it's a little bit serviceable, better. right? Yeah, serviceable His, now, but. Uh, playmaking abilities have it's improved a little bit but he's also a lot older and he's having all all saying all that all that having said all that he's still one-dimensional look at lonzo ball he's got fantastic defense worldly all world defense yet his offense is historically bad not just bad historically bad yeah, point so, guard shooting forty percent from from the free throw. So did you see the um, you saw the the recent game against the Jazz, right? Yeah. Uh, did you see the whole game? So I saw. Most I think of Lonzo's it. stat line ended up being like pretty subpar, yeah. but um, there were things that he did in that game that actually was like, oh, maybe he's like slowly figuring some stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, just the type of shots that he was trying to take. Uh. So I, you know, well, the the door in our minds, like the door on Lonzo is like almost shut. It's like, there's like a little creak of light <laughs> peeking out of the doorway, but um, well, you it know, might've I, opened up a little bit more for me just because I saw like what he was doing on the court. Well, He's starting to take some different type of shots. Yeah. And I, and I get that and I recognize that. And I, I'm, I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm just, just hating on him. And I hope he is on that path but the bottom line and i've said this before is that if this guy doesn't improve bottom line if this guy doesn't improve at the free throw line all of this doesn't mean jack shit even the development that we see him yeah you know he seems to be a little bit more uh polished on the offensive end in terms of his drive and knowing when to shoot knowing when to not shoot knowing like you know those small baby jumpers versus like you know, dishing it off when he should be, t- you know, all those things. Like, it doesn't mean anything if he's still shooting forty percent from the free throw. Right? Yeah, that that just limits your your potential. <laughs> it, I, it, like, it, it, you know, it's. I mean, people. If if people are not understanding that, then you do not know how, like, how much of an impact that will have on your squad to have a point guard who shoots forty or below from the free throw line. Yeah, ask the Celtics when Rondo was the starting point guard. And the crazy thing is that Rondo was still at least like like sixty some percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, in that um, I, I hope I'm quoting this correctly though. In in that 2010 NBA Finals, I think Rondo ended up um, shooting like 25 percent from the free throw That's line in that series. Insanity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we've had recent conversations about. Lonzo, you know, he's been a popular topic for us. Yeah. And uh, one, one thing that we've been um, talking about lately is, you know, what, what, where's his head at? Right. So I've had, I've had time to think about this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, I think you can get a lot of clues based on his upbringing. So we, we you know, we, we just talked about how, we grew up as sports fans so um looking at lonzo's upbringing and the type of you know guidance that he that he's gotten i mean basically i'm talking about lavar um 
Don't you feel like the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree? Because you're talking about generally speaking, or are you talking about in this case? In in this, this situation, case, and generally speaking, and in this case, I think generally speaking, um, in this case, I don't know. That's why I'm, it's so confusing to me because Levar Ball strikes me as such a, you know, he's got such bravado, and he's like, you know, he carries himself so arrogantly, right? Which would to me would think I would think a player of that with that kind of mentality, he would be like. I'm going to shoot first. I don't care who you are. Give me the fucking ball. Get out of my way, right? Yeah. Yeah, Lonzo doesn't play like that at all. Right. His game, his, his play style is like the style of a guy who's like the most well-adjusted, almost like, you know, perfect raising like ever because yeah. he's so unselfish. He's always looking to try to make the right play and almost... To the point where he's not even looking for his own shot. Part of, partly maybe because his shot's not falling or he doesn't have the confidence. But like you said, he's always been like that even at UCLA. Where right. He did shoot great. Right. You know? So that's why for me I'm confused whether is he like LeVar? You know? Because look at his, his, his youngest son or even, I don't know, his, his middle son. They all, when the way they play, you, you would think, yeah, this, these kids are LeVar's sons, right? Right. You know what yeah, I'm saying? So yeah. you see them playing, you're like, damn, that is LeVar, LeVar's ball's son right there. So I don't know. With Lonzo, it's confusing. Yeah, I was look, I'm was. i looking at it uh, more on the perspective of, like, can he fix his shooting form? Like, is his shooting going to get better? And it's like, I look, at, I look at all three of the Ball brothers, and none of them have really good shooting form. Yeah. Uh I think actually and the middle son has the best form, but he's the worst but player. But it's not. But it's still not like textbook. Yeah. Like it's not a version of. It's not a form that you would teach anybody to, to shoot. Right. Like. Right. And uh, the fact that all three of these kids have, um, bad shooting forms. Mm-hmm. Or no one basically telling him that knock yeah, it off. Nobody told. And... Nobody's telling. Nobody told them growing up to like okay. Here's how you shoot yeah. the basketball correctly. Yeah. yeah. And they grew up basically enabled to do whatever the hell have they want. these terrible fundamentals. Yeah. And it's like the only hope that we have with Lonzo is that, yeah, he is like an anomaly or like an oddball, yeah. like from that, from that collective family, you know? Yeah. So I think. Time will tell here shortly if he's go- if he is that oddball, you know, you know. And I think what you were speaking to is you know because you were asking the question, well, does he have it in him to, like, is he is he capable of fixing a shot? So what I think, what we're you know in a roundabout way, what we're getting at when in respect to Lavar is, so does he have the aptitude to be like, because it it's it's a humbling thing, right? To kind of accept it and be like, well, my shot is broken and I need to, to go back to the drawing board and do what it takes to, to, do, to fix it. You know what I'm saying? Do whatever it takes. If that means yeah. like breaking it completely down and just revamping it and doing something completely brand new, then so be it. And putting in like the 10,000 hours to make it a really good, good uh, shot with a good form mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i think that i think that is the question as to is he le- 
truly LeVar Ball's son, you know, because I feel like a true LeVar's Ball's son will be like, fuck it, man. Like, yeah, I'm just going to roll with. Like, yeah. This like shot. it's not broken. It yeah. just, it's just, I, you know, I just need to like tweak it a little bit or I need like, it's just not falling, you know, that I feel like is more of a LeVar Ball's son or is he kind of like, you take the humility and understand that it's just simply not working. And not only that, but like putting in the hours and hours of work. That is what I'm wondering. That is what I'm questioning. Whether this guy, this kid is like, I need to put in what I get to put in the work, all that work, you know, to fix this. Cause I don't know how hardworking Alonzo is. Yeah. I don't know either. And I think that yeah. is a huge, huge question mark. It's like how so how can you be like Lonzo Ball is untouchable when he is the best prospect of all of them when I don't know that. You know? I've seen a lot of instances where, you know, um Luke Walton has called um Lonzo out and then he responds. But I'm like, why does this dude need to get called out in order to perform, you know? Yeah. This it's it's not just once, you know? It's a handful of times now. That's a tricky um that's a tricky conversation to have though like judging a player's um work ethic yeah uh i mean would you say is there anybody on this current lakers team other than lebron where you're like oh this guy like really puts in work like well i feel like that's the case with kyle kuzma i i'm not i'm not there yet to be like he 100 percent. i feel comfortable in saying yeah but out of all the out of all the kids of based on the things I've read, based on how much he's improved this year, yeah. I'm like, yeah, this guy is he's he puts in the work, you know. Um, based on how people say, you know, how he's always picking Kobe's brain. Yeah, he's he, you know, they talked about how he's picking a Rondo's brain all the time. Uh, he gets praise from all the veterans, saying that this guy is always like asking questions. Even Luke Walton has said, you know. Yeah. So to me, I'm like. I get that. Kyle Kuzma is, he has that, that work ethic. Yeah. And yeah. That, you know, this also brings up um, something else that I thought about. And uh, don't you think it's true that like being the star player on the Lakers is like a totally different thing from being a star player on any other team? And what I mean by that is like, we see Lonzo, right? And by all accounts, he seems like um, like a humble basketball player. I feel like when you when you hear him listen, when you listen to him like in interviews and um, he shares the ball and um, like the the news reporters when they interview him post game they they give him opportunities to like uh, question Luke Walton. Um, yeah, like they ask him, like, how did you feel about the fact that Luke took you out, like in the last minute? You know, like kind of like fishing they bait, for they're baiting him. Yeah, they're baiting him, baiting for some information. But he's always like, no, um, he made the right decision. And blah, on top blah, blah. of that, too, he he, um, you know, he's also just like, like he he's so quiet and so personality wise, he's so different from LeBron. Right. Ball. So the personality, um, yeah. I feel like. I'm of the opinion that you cannot have that personality and be like the star player on the Lakers, just based mm-hmm. on what we've seen in history. Like you're talking about just with the Lakers or overall? No, with the Lakers specifically. Oh. Like being the man on the Lakers, you need to have you need to be like this charismatic, like magnetic figure. 
Wow. I think because like Yeah, I don't know. Kobe definitely had that, right? Yeah. And then Shaq definitely had that personality too. Magic Johnson had it. Um and and we want Lon- and we wanted Lonzo to like be up there in that tier of Lakers player. So do you think there can be like a humble superstar on the Lakers? That's like the leader of the Lakers. I th- I think so. I don't know if personally that has uh, a huge bearing, but I see your point. Like I, I don't think, think Tim Duncan would have like yeah. worked out as well on the Lakers, right? As he did with the Spurs. Yeah, but you know? I just feel like uh, at the end of the day, um, on the Lakers, the thing that cures all is winning, and at the end of the day, uh, if you win and if you perform then everything falls into place like in la everything gets amplified if like let's say tim duncan if he was in la and he didn't perform and he didn't win then all those things that you were saying all the criticisms they get amplified and it becomes a big deal right but let's say he came to la and he was that rock solid 25 20 to 25 and 10 to 12 rebounds two to three but basically the hall of fame player that he was at on the spurs and delivered a couple championships, all of a sudden, people will attribute the quietness to just quiet greatness. You know, they would be like, oh, he just has this this air about him. Like, you know, all that becomes amplified and becomes, people start filling in the blanks and they just, they'll praise him for whatever. So that's my point. I'm saying like, in LA, like, just the wins and delivering is is what matters the most. And that's what will get, like, the fans on your side. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I guess what I was trying to say was in order to become like that beloved player. Right. You're talking about like the cream of the crop, like historic on the Kobe, on the Kobe and Magic level, you have yeah. to have like, because actually, you know, we, we brought up Tim Duncan. Uh, I would say like in many ways, Kareem was like, very similar to Tim Duncan when he was on the Lakers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when we think back about those 80s teams, he's not the first name that, like, pops into our heads. It's Magic, right? It was right. Magic Johnson's team. Right. Um, and that, and we bring this up because, And also, like, Kareem wasn't... He was a UCLA... Uh, was he, he was a UCLA Bruin, right? Yeah, he was a UCLA player. <laughs> so he's an LA great, so... Yeah, and, and, and you know... The, the whole point of bringing this up was that that was like the level of hope that everybody had with Lonzo. Yeah. Which is why we're, you know, extra critical of him now, yeah. I guess. You know, but the thing that Lonzo does, and I see what your point is, but the thing that Lonzo does have for him, though, is he does have that flashy side of him on the court. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we've seen it already a couple times this year where he'll make some passes and you're like, holy shit that was insane you know and he's not robotic when he makes some of these plays like he'll make it and he'll mean like you know he'll complete like a really nice alley-oop and he'll mean mug the the camera and stuff so he has that bit of charisma it's just yeah like post game he's not like you know maggie johnson million dollar smile yeah i just think there's i just think there's another level it's another level to be like the man on the lakers than, than it is for like a lot of other teams yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a huge responsibility. I think actually, personality-wise, Kuzma has that. Then. Yeah. 
base, you know, between all the players. Right. I'm talking about the young guys. Yeah, you know? I can I can definitely see that, and that's you know, for people who like hate Brandon Ingram, I feel like his personality kind of adds to that that <laughs> yeah. that hatred too. Well, also because his he's kind of like it's also you know, his style of play. It's not. It's not bold. No. There's like no, there's no like bravado to also, his game. Also, he's not an extremely athletic guy. He's athletically gifted in terms of his like measurables. Yeah, but he doesn't jump out of this. He doesn't jump out of the gym. You know, he doesn't have like these awesome, incredible dunks. Yeah. So I, I mean, we have like you know, uh, and and we've paired these two guys together a lot. But Ingram and Lonzo, they like they're they're not the like <laughs> they're not like the you know, pound your chest, like no. type of player. And, uh, Kuzma is though. Kuzma. He's actually like, not as much either as like Kobe. Well, I mean, you know? Kobe was, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just trying to like, I'm, I'm trying to I draw mean, parallels from like the past Laker. Yeah. Greats but I mean, and, you like, know what you're talking about though. It's like, it's such a rare find like it's i don't even know if there's there are there's there's only a handful of those in the nba right now you know well you know people like who complain about how this league has has (laughs) gotten a little soft but Yeah. yeah but like you know even your boy anthony davis who you think is the laker to get this you know the player to get on the lakers is not what you describe oh i think he is you think he's got the bravado and all that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's got like that Kobe charisma. He has a talent level. He has a historic talent level, but I don't see him like. Okay, in terms of like conducting himself on the court, though, like just the confidence that he exudes like when he's playing the game. I, it's not like a bravado though. It's more of a quiet like deliver thirty twenty. Like you're like holy shit. I, I don't think he's did. like putting his head down and going to work though. Yeah, I think no, he's, no, like, no. I think he's like you know right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, are you thinking like, oh, this guy's got the Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant charisma, though? I don't think so at all. It's hard to see because he's he's been he's been in a small market this entire time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but like, OK, so who on who in the NBA would you say has that? Has that charisma? Yeah. Well, everything, uh, the whole package. The yeah. whole package. Um, LeBron. Right. Well, thankfully, okay. he's on the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, I would say um, Russell Westbrook. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I would say Giannis too. All right, I would agree with those two so far. Uh, those three. I mean, you don't you don't think Anthony Davis has it, right? Um, I don't necessarily see anything where I'm. Yeah. I don't. I don't care if James Harden has it or not. I'm just gonna say no <laughs> to that one. So I can pass pass him up. He's the ultimate. Just I mean, that's I, gonna be a no for me, dog. That's he, you right there. I can also. Whatever. I would also say like a guy like Joel Embiid, even though like we think he's like super annoying, but okay. he he has that confidence and that charisma as well. Um, I would say, you know, definitely not Kawhi Leonard, right? Oh, no way, um, yeah. Which is another reason why, like... He's basically Lonzo Ball with in a, in a small forward, power forward, like, form. Yeah, in terms of, like, demeanor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he could, he could not be the best player on the Lakers. He's not the alpha. He would not be the he alpha. He would not be the alpha. 
Yeah, the alpha, that's what I'm saying. The alpha on the Lakers has to be like extra. Yeah. I feel like. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's not like too many players, but I mean. That's a very, very. In order few... to be a championship team, you have to have like that guy that's like one of a handful, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're asking, it's not just being one of the top five best players. It's like, not only do you have to be one of the top five best players, you got to have this extra quality. You have to have like a, yeah. you, you have to be a transcendent like superstar. On and I off think the court. I think that's what this franchise is always looking for. Oh, always. Yeah. yeah. Just because, you know, the bar has been set so high. Yeah. With the players that have rolled through this franchise. And that's the thing. We've had, like, we've that's had a three difference. straight number two picks. Yeah. Trying desperately to find that guy. And we got it wrong, like, every yeah. single time. Well, and I think that's partly why we drafted Lonzo Ball, too, though. That's, yeah. You know what we, I mean? We're... They were thinking that he is that guy, you yeah. know? Well, Lonzo, I mean, Magic Johnson was touting that this guy's numbers would be up in the rafters already, you know? And, you know, I got to be honest, I was right there behind Magic saying, <laughs> like, that's right. It's going to happen. I was pretty confident. Yeah. You know, coming off the heels of, like, one of the best summer leagues that yeah. an NBA rookie has ever had. But, um, yeah, to be, like, the guy... So you don't Lakers. think Steph Curry has that? Yeah, I think so. I would say him also. Um, a player that will, you know, go a little forgotten. Um, and we were talking about like the '90s Lakers, Nick Van Exel. Oh, I think he had yeah. that he too. He had that in spades. He just didn't yeah. have the talent to. Very talented player, but he didn't have the transcendent talent to match that. Yeah, he definitely had in that, this. Though. In this, I mean, can you imagine him? playing like in this era i think he could have been a star player oh yeah he was already i mean he he made it to an all-star team yeah but he in this in this age he'd be an all-star for sure yeah the talent was the only thing that was missing but everything else like his personality um the confidence that he played with he was like a good he would have been a really good uh, cornerstone and that was why he was probably one of our if not the favorite laker growing up yeah, you know, until, for sure. You until know, Kobe, yeah, until Kobe came along. Mantle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there is, there's not that many. Um, but I think the Lakers got to have one though. And we know? got one in LeBron. So, yeah. yeah. And people, I mean, there's there's a group of people who still don't think that LeBron is like clutch, you know? Or Which like, is ludicrous, though. Yeah, it's ludicrous. I mean, he's he's shooting. You know, his free throw shooting. We've talked about it. Is like pretty low, yeah. I get, like under under his career average. Yeah. But um, you know, we've seen instances like late in games where he's missed a few free throws. Um, but but when it comes like playoff time, you're you're pretty confident that he'll nail. He those has down. an unimpeachable resume. His resume is just... see. I don't think it's unimpeachable, but I, he has I a really, really great resume. You don't resume. think it's unimpeachable? It's so I don't know. How's it? How though? Well, what's your definition of an unimpeachable resume? Like, his how many legacy? players? How many players in NBA history have unimpeachable resumes? Um, because maybe maybe I'm just not understanding like your, your okay, definition. like Michael Jordan, obviously, right. right? Magic Johnson, okay. Larry Bird, okay. Uh, 
I guess I'd put Kobe in there because this is a Laker podcast. Okay. <laughs> I mean, people would say he has an unimpeachable. I mean, Kobe is actually the standard because in LA, he has an unimpeachable resume for sure. So if that's the case, then LeBron, I'm just saying if, if it applies for Kobe, it applies doubly for LeBron. Um, Because he has a more unimpeachable resume than, than Kobe. You're just saying like a great, like, like an all-time resume, right? I'm just saying that like, like... Are you saying like no mistakes or like no shortcomings? I mean, I don't think any player has no mistakes. I, I mean, I it, guess if you could say my, Michael maybe Jordan. Jordan yeah, yeah, Jordan, because his... But even then, I mean, he came back as a wizard and he showed he was very mortal, you know? But like um, with LeBron, it's like, like, what are we questioning here? You know, he's in his prime. So the fact that he's in, he's, he's in his prime, we know what he's capable of. And what he's capable of is when we need him in the most important, the, the highest of stakes in the playoffs, he's going to be the least of our worries. He's That's not even true. a worry. Yeah. He's a guy who, when we lose a game, it's going to be because of other, other things, other factors, other players is all I'm saying. So, like, that's unimpeachable because, like, if people right now are having any doubts or having any, like, whatever, I'm like, that is ludicrous to me. Because all you need to know, all you need to ask yourself is, is this dude still in his prime? And if that answer is yes, there is nothing to worry about when it comes to LeBron, is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, then I would agree. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, what what does he need to prove for us to be like, um, I don't know. Is he going to be okay for whatever? If he's healthy, I'm like, let's go to war. And if we lose the game, I'm pretty damn sure it's because of something else. Okay, so, you're, so I guess your definition is like, um, like crunch time. And when it matters, like when the stakes are the highest, this guy's going to bring it. Absolutely. Basically, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I'm wondering... So I guess a, a player that's definitely not unimpeachable would be James Harden. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that that that's a very valid. Uh, so how argument. many are there? Are there a handful of? There's only like very few like unimpeachable players currently yes. in the NBA yes. right now, and like, like Steph, and like half like, of them are on the Warriors. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> Steph, Clay Thompson, and Kevin yeah. Durant. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, um and yeah. then after that. And LeBron, and then after that, like I don't know, there's a severe drop off. Yeah, in number, I don't know who uh, else like, is on there. I don't, I don't know. know. Would who you else put like on? Damian Lillard as an unimpeachable player? No, I wouldn't, because he hasn't even made it to the finals. So you have, so oh, Kawhi Leonard, maybe. Yeah, I think Kawhi, un- unless he's proven it wrong, but he's proven it, and he's like, basically, it's like when you have shown me that when the stakes are highest, that you have come through. That to me shows me that you are not afraid to you are not afraid of the spotlight and you have delivered. So you know what I'm saying? And yeah. once you take that step, I'm no longer questioning whether you are scared. Right. Because you've done it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sounds like to me you're describing like the very top tier NBA player right now. Yeah. Cause we you know, we talked about the last episode, like who are your top who are your top five players in the game right now? Mm-hmm. Uh we just went through the mid-season of the NBA season, and a lot of people are talking about who are the best players in the game right now. Mm-hmm. I think what you're describing is 
the number one criteria for being like the elite of elite player mm-hmm. in the game. So if we were to make that very first tier, because, you know, honestly, I hate, I I really don't like ranking players like one mm-hmm. through 10, because like, mm-hmm. what's the difference between like number six and number seven? There's like really no difference. Right. So I feel like the correct way to like categorize players is Tier like system. to put them in tiers. Right. So that's you're how I, that's how I handle my, all my fantasy drafts. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's, so let's list off like the very top tier of NBA player right now. And I know it sounds like there's only like maybe like five players, right? If that. So LeBron. Yes. Steph Curry. Yes. Kevin Durant. Yes. And I would actually just leave it at that almost. Kawhi Leonard. Okay. I'll leave him in because he's proven that he's healthy. He's proven that he was healthy this yeah. year and he's done. Okay. Yeah. Would, and then are we done? Yeah. I think that's... those, those four. All right. Yeah. Would be like first tier. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then, I mean, that's that still leaves like a lot of players. So, like second yeah. tier, would you see? Would you say like the second tier player is like? It's a bigger. It's definitely gonna be a larger. It's a bigger list. pool, and also it there's other factors that come into it. So I would put James Harden in that tier because. Basically, it's like all you all this player needs to do left is to like win a championship, right. prove he can win a championship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, for me, um, it's not even necessarily like you have to you have to win the championship. Um, like for example, um, you know, someone that comes to mind is like like Clay Thompson. Let's say he's done all this and he's shot like let's say he shot like. 65% in the finals, right? Mm-hmm. And from three, he just had an amazing finals, but his team lost. I would, I would not knock him for, I would not ding him for that. Like yeah. I would put him in that category tier one. If he was like a 25 point score and like just was dominant regular season and just stepped it up in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you have shown me that in the finals in the, at the highest of stages that you it, the spotlight does not matter to you. You know what I mean. So you don't necessarily have to win the championship, but you got to prove it in the in the you know in the biggest stage. So I guess a player that came to mind uh, along those lines is like a Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one time that he was um, playing in the NBA Finals, I think he had a really good series against the Miami Heat, but they ended up losing the series. Um, right. I mean, right. that... And James that, Harden played the, very Yeah, poorly. that OKC team, it, I yeah. mean, it was pretty obvious that, like, James Harden was not ready for prime time, but yeah. Westbrook was ready. Yeah. Um, so that type of thing is kind of like... Um, That's a good example. What you're talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, like, where I would not be worried about, you know... It's like, if you've proven it... At least a couple times, even if you prove it once, and I see that you are not afraid of the spotlight, then when you have a bad game, I'm not going to attribute that to being like, oh, this guy has shrunk from the pressure. It's because he just had a bad game. Because it's yeah. possible to have a bad game even in, you know, the biggest of stages. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and you, you also you also brought up uh, Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like the guy has shown to like not be afraid of the oh my god, not be afraid of the the spotlight. Yeah, and he he came he comes through big in like clutch situations. Yeah, um, but he has never carried a team, never had no. never had 
um, never needed to carry a team. That's why I wouldn't put him in that tier one. Yeah, so when it comes to um, a guy like... Let's compare James Harden and Klay Thompson, okay? Because they play similar positions. Okay. Um, James Harden's issue is that he needs to prove that he can um, deliver in the, in the highest stakes. Klay Thompson's yeah. situation is that he needs to prove that he can carry a team. And this is like to get he into that. He can do it as the number as one. As the number one. This yeah. is to get into the tier one. So yeah. out of those two players, who has like the bigger hump to like oh. cross? Hmm. I would say James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. So because James Harden has, at this point, proven to not be able to do it. Whereas Clay, he hasn't, he's just shown that he hasn't had the opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's incomplete. So you don't think that uh, he's been able to be successful because he's had like the perfect role carved out for him? Who are we talking about right now? Clay Thompson. Uh, no. I don't think so. Because at least from the, a lot of the games, the Warrior playoff games that I've seen, I've seen a lot of instances where Steph and Durant, like on all the players on the Warriors, when they're down, when all of a sudden things are getting really shitty for them, they start missing a lot of shots. Yeah. I, I, and the I would, one dude who's yeah. actually making shots right. now all of a sudden is Clay. Yeah, no, we're, we've been saying this for, yeah. uh, for years now. Uh, yeah. You know, Steph and... Uh, Kevin Durant, they they're like, they're definitely more like front runners. Like when things are going well, when they have leads, then they pour it on and like blow teams out. <laughs> you know, that's a very con- yeah. I mean, I believe that, but it's a pretty controversial statement for sure. I think amongst, I would say like NBA fans, but yeah, that's how I feel. Well, that's yeah, feel. our like my opinion is like when, and we've seen evidence of this is like when the t- when things are not going well. Clay Thompson is like the one that brings him back. Yeah. Um, that performance of the ages that he had uh, against, against OKC. OKC. Yep. Yeah. That was all Clay Thompson. Yeah. Otherwise, he, he I mean, you can you can kind of say that because of Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant became a warrior. Hmm. Why do you say that? We, oh, well, you mean had he not he had, had that had performance, he, yeah. OKC yeah, 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 yeah. wins that series and saying. then he probably stays in OKC. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so you think James Harden's like hurdle is uh, is larger? Oh yeah, than Clay Thompson's. Yeah, he's gonna... see. I think that's. I think people would consider that to be a controversial statement too. You think so? Yeah, dude. People are. First of all, most people are probably going to say that James Harden is in first tier already, which I disagree oh. with. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can say that when we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him put on like a playoffs of the ages or like. We haven't seen him even just perform well in the playoffs. Yeah. So, and that's the thing is that we say this time and time again, and I, I subscribe to it. The NBA playoffs is a whole other different animal than any other sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the, in the NBA, there's the best, no... The best team always wins. There's no other sport where their favorite team usually always wins. That's it. Well, I'm glad you say usually always wins because I, I remember the 2004 NBA Finals. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, you know, even that, like, it's like, you know who was supposed to win that. Right, yeah. 
And all credit goes to them. And Rasheed Wallace is one of my all-time favorite players. Um, but that Detroit Pistons team had no business winning that series, winning that final series against the Lakers. Uh-huh. Um, so that only happens in the NBA. In in baseball, it doesn't happen. In football, obviously, it doesn't happen. It's just one game. Yeah, it's just yeah. one game. So that's why there's such a premium on like that you know being able to prove that you can play at that stage because if you can't the proof is in the pudding in the nba the proof is always is always in the pudding yeah i mean yeah so um james harden has yet to to prove that okay you know i totally agree uh you know, you you didn't name him your midseason MVP. I but. did, and and that's what the, and I mean. I'm trying to show that I'm very unbiased because, you know, I do hate James Harden, but I hate him also because he couldn't beat the Warriors. So I'm I'm and also I hate him because his playing style is just so irritating. Yet I can like what he did this this half season is is amazing, you know. And I and also it's just regular season. So yeah, I do give him the regular season MVP. Um, so I'm, you know, if you're listening to this, I'm not a, I'm not, yeah, I'm a hater, but I'm not like non-objective. You know what I mean? And I'm just speaking from my experience of having watched basketball for so many years, you know, and that's just the way it rolls in the NBA, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about a guy like Paul George? Yeah, so he's because sort he's of, had he's had playoff um, yeah. success, and he has like you know he just went up against like an all time team in the Miami Heat, like when they were in their prime, you know. Yeah, um, but you see, here's so he's an example of like the Nick Van Exel factor thing. I don't know if he has that that talent level to really be because you know, like we talked about that top, the very very top tier. You got to have that ability and also have that, like, you got to have all, you know, all the factors involved, like all the, yeah. and Paul George is like a top 20 talent, no doubt, but does he have top five talent? I don't know if he does. He's had a top five talent year. Right. But I don't know. He's, it's kind of like a guy who's like a 20 to 30 homer game, uh, a season player who just is hitting like 45 to 50 home runs this year kind of you know so you're are you questioning whether or not he can be like a number one option well i already feel like it's pretty clear he's not a number one okay you know yeah i don't think he's a number one guy yeah which is like i i i feel like there's still like a a group of people out there that would say that he is a number one guy but um hmm it appears that, I mean, and this is like coming on the heels of like a career year for him. But um, you know, and some people are saying yeah. he she should be the defensive player of the year as of right now. You know, which be which would be a huge accolade for him. Like I was with you this whole way about um, Paul George. Like he's not a number one guy mm-hmm. on the team. Mm-hmm. But um, after seeing what he's doing this season, I'm like I'm reconsidering maybe starting to think maybe so that okc team is basically russell westbrook's team right oh for sure um so you would say he's like the number one guy 
Westbrook on that team. Yeah, and then Paul George sure. is like the number two guy. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then, then in that case, then yeah. Um. I think that's pretty clear, right? You would agree with that, right? Yeah. So, so because of that, would you not put Paul George like in second, like a second tier level, or is he like? I still think you in could. Second? I think the t- second tier is almost like it's very debatable. You know. Yeah. He could be tier two this year and very well not be even in the second tier next year. This is a career year for Paul George. You know uh-huh. what I mean? So, yeah, he might be kind of flirting with tier two right now, but I feel like next year he could very well f- kind of fall into tier three, which is like, I don't know, like yeah. a regular star Yeah, that you just, yeah. And, and I think we should probably um, spend some time in like, do an exercise of like categorizing players in, right. into these tiers. Oh, and we'll eventually do that. Like Kyle um, Kuzma for me is like he's got tier three potential, right? As of right now, but people are saying yeah. no, this guy has tier two, tier one, ability, right? Which is right. ludicrous. Yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll spend some time like thinking about like what our parameters are and things. Um, yeah. But if there's like. Just off the top of my head, like if there's like five players that are like first tier, then I'm gonna guess there's gonna be like ten to fifteen players in tier two. Yeah. And then maybe like twenty five players in tier three. Yeah. Um tier two, I would consider a player a tier two if there is like the potential for them to become a tier one player. Um Okay. So you're talking about like Luka Doncic? I mean, that's part of it, but you, they also have to have like proven it Built a, a little bit. bit. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little too. It's premature to put a, a Luka Doncic on as a tier two. But like Giannis, I would say is like a perfect candidate for like tier two. Right. Um, Anthony Davis, you know that that type oh, of yeah. player. Uh, but that 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 group is gonna be pretty small as well. Yeah, and there's going to be almost like levels even in these tiers, I feel like. Well, that's that's what I don't want to get into is yeah. because that then it just turns into like a ranking, like a one through mm-hmm. like 50 ranking or whatever, which is like that to me, when I see a list like that, it's like data incomplete too, like what, yeah. we've, what we've been saying. Because like, how can you, how can you differentiate between like, yeah, like 15 and 16. It's like really hard to do. Right. Um, unless you like use a formula or something. But um, mm-hmm. we're just going off of like what we've seen and what we believe these players are capable of. So, right. um, yeah, we'll do that sometime. Uh, so the Lakers are playing right now. So I think we should um, sign off and watch this game a little bit. Um, hopefully, it. hopefully the Lakers will have a nice, easy win tonight, and then um, also on Tuesday against the Bulls because after that it gets pretty rough with the OKC, Houston, and Golden State coming coming through without without LeBron. Um, yeah, it's gonna get really bumpy. So I can see it's at OKC, at Houston, and at home against the Warriors. I can see three blowout losses here. 
just because LeBron's not on the court. Can we just predict some of these headlines <laughs> after these three games? You know, is Luke Walton's is he on the is he on the hot seat? Like he's you know? definitely because you know uh, there's a chance that the Lakers. Well, there's definitely a chance that after this string of games, uh, the Lakers are going to be out of the playoff, right? You know, seating, and then they could also be under 500 too. There's a chance, outside chance for that. Right. So if, if that all happens, then guess who's going to get almost all <laughs> of the blame is going to be Luke Walton. Yeah. Um, and you know, you you said it previously that um, he's he's the definition of someone who's not unimpeachable, right? No. Uh, Complete opposite. So unfortunately. so criticisms of Luke Walton uh, may or may not be completely valid. So we'll just have to see like how these players play and um, how he manages the roster during the, during these next couple of games. So um, we'll probably touch base um, in during during these during this string of games, and um, you know we'll have plenty to discuss at that time. To break down, so yeah. um, with that said, we'll sign off for now. Thank you guys for listening and. Uh, we will check back in with you guys next time. Be sure to, um, you know, if you haven't already, uh, leave us a, leave us a rating on iTunes. Um, our email address again is eighty one points podcast at gmail um, We'd love to hear any questions or comments that you guys have. Um, so with that said, we'll check back in with you guys in a couple of days, um, and hopefully we'll be in. Um, pleasantly surprised by how the Lakers play. (laughs) So with that said, we'll sign off right now and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Adios. Thank you for tuning into 81 Points. We are a Los Angeles Lakers podcast hosted by me, Chris Lim, and my longtime friend and co-host, Chris Lee. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave a rating or comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can get more episodes of 81 Points on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.